This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everybody. This is another episode of Stargazing, a Dallas Stars podcast. And we are here doing a little Texas Stars discussion. And we try and do this a couple times a year. We have Stephen Meserve uh, here with us, the brains behind 100 Degree Hockey. How you doing, Stephen? Doing really well. Enjoying uh, the mini break that we get in the AHL for the All-Star game, which uh, peek behind the curtain is happening right now as we're recording this. Yeah, I think the Central's puck drop is in about four minutes, if I, if I have that right. And we have a lot of Texas stars there, including head coach Neil Graham. Yeah, a total of four Texas stars, uh, coach, and then Maverick Bork, Logan Stankoven, and Matej Blumel. So it's a big year for the Texas stars in the All-Star game. And if you want to look a little further, you had ex-Texas star uh, Riley Tufty winning the hardest shot competition uh, in the skills bonanza last night. Yeah, so. definitely. There was a there was a t- couple of Texas stars out there as well, so it's a good opportunity to to see the best of the league. So I warned you ahead of time. I was going to blame you <laughs> for uh, for the recent collapse of the Texas Stars. And so if we do a little timeline here, we we had our first uh, discussion at the beginning of the season, and and I think you and I both kind of agreed that uh, this was going to be a somewhat of a down year for Texas. Uh, a lot of a lot of young players, and in fact, I think if you look at it, Texas is the youngest team in the AHL this year, and so there were going to be some learning curves and and probably playoff skill level, to, but not top of the division, and uh, then the team kind of put themselves at the top of the division, and then you wrote about how maybe uh, this had changed, and immediately everything collapsed, so why <laughs> did you do that, Stephen? Well, I, I t- accept full faults and uh, and blame for this activity. No, it was it was one of those things where yeah, we agreed that it was, you know, we weren't sure what this team was going to be. Goalies were maybe average, a lot of turnover both in the forward ranks and the defensive ranks, but they were doing really well. And we said maybe this team is for real. Maybe we shouldn't make plans for May. Maybe we should make plans for June. Uh, in terms of travel and leaving Austin. But yeah, the team has had a really rough stretch here where um, since the new year turned over, they've gone three and 10 uh, and some really rough games in terms of the scoreline, some hard to swallow games in terms of the results against central division teams that they need to beat in order to stay ahead in the race. They were first in the central heading in to the seat the year, which is why Neil Graham is the head coach of the Central Division All-Stars. But as of the All-Star break, they're actually 14 points off the pace for first, which is held by former Texas Stars coach Carl Taylor's club, the Milwaukee Admirals. At the turn of the year, Texas was maybe up two or four. It was, it was a decent number. So this is about a 16 or an 18 point turnaround in, in the matter of a month. And you just don't see that with, uh, you know, with all the loser points potential out there. 
Yeah, Texas hasn't been getting to overtime as much uh, in in this stretch. I, I said it's three and ten, and it is actually three and ten. It's not you know three eight and two or three seven two and one. When they lose, they are not getting any points to benefit that. And so six points in 2024 has put them behind the pace, not only for first but also for second place. Uh, so they've fallen into third. Uh, at this particular spot, uh, tied for third at the moment, but the Grand Rapids Griffins, who have second, have a game in hand on them as well. Now, the good news, if you're looking at it, is that the Central Division is not great this year, to put it politely. Uh, the fourth place team behind them is below 500. That's the Rockford Icehawks. And so I find it unlikely, knocking on wood, that the Texas Stars fall below 500. However, that third place, you know, is they believe better than where they should be uh, based on the, the, the spot that they're in this year. But again, you know, the Admirals may have just rocketed to the top with this little string of play in January. And if they play their cards right, which I, I know they know how to do with uh, Carl Taylor as their coach and, and former star Greg Rollo as, as the assistant, they're probably going to hold on to that barring some crazy turn of events. Yeah, and and so I guess if you look at it, in our discussion at the beginning of the year, if you were going to say going into February, Texas is in a solid third place in the Central, you'd say that's kind of a win. Absolutely. I think completely ignorant of how we got here, you'd be pretty happy with this outcome uh, if you were sitting here on October 12th and having this discussion. But obviously the ups and downs have made it a pretty whipsaw type of season so far for Texas Stars fans. And I think, you know, they probably aren't as bad as their 2024 record indicates, but they weren't as good as their 2023 record indicated either. They were getting a lot of help from scoring a ton of goals. They led the league in goals. They still do. They're tied with Toronto now. 3.66 per game, which is a ton of goals. But they allow a lot of goals. They get league average goaltending at best. And the defense has been in, hampered by injuries. We've got Gavin Bayreuther who went out. Jared Rosberg is still out. Uh, Leon Bixel, of course, went over back to Europe. And so you've got guys who you know, we're not supposed to be seeing as heavy of minutes as they are seeing. Uh, in the lineup every night, being asked to munch a lot of minutes. Gavin White, Artem Grushnikov, etc. And that is obviously taking its toll on their ability to keep the puck out of the net. Okay, well, let's get into the detail. Uh, before we do that, why don't uh, I say a few words from our sponsor? It's playoff time, and the usual suspects are headed to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to BetOnline and join today and get into all the action. BetOnline, the game starts here. So anyway, let's uh, let's kind of start with the defense since that seems to be a, a bit problematic. And here, you know, I think we recognized early on that this was a, a younger crew than we were used to. You know, you, you don't have Will Butcher around. You don't have Ben Gleason around. You don't have Ryan Shea around. But then you bring in somebody like Gavin Bayreuther, who you think is is really the guy who's going to be first call up a lot of NHL experience. Texas Roots, he played for the Stars in the past, and he goes down for his game. So first off, what, what are you hearing about his status? 
the good news is that Bayreuther is on the way back. He's supposed to be starting skating. He's been around the team. Um, this is not one of those injuries. You know, it, it looked pretty bad at the time, right? Ankle injury. And he did undergo surgery very quickly thereafter. He should be back soon. But soon is a matter of obviously his recovery. You don't want to put his long-term health at risk. And so it's it's just a, a matter of, of probably several more weeks before we have a a chance to see Gavin Bayreuther in the lineup for Texas again. Um, as a reminder, yeah, it was the third period of the first game that he went down. And so he has barely played 20 minutes of hockey for the Texas Stars this year. So that's a, that's a tough loss. And then Jared Rosberg is one who, in talking to folks around the team, his injury has taken significantly longer than expected to recover. And he's still on season opening IR in Dallas. Uh, so even though yeah, he one is of, one here, of the few that's left from that. Yeah, even though he is physically here in Cedar Park, he is on Dallas's season opening IR, and that injury is uh, taking longer than expected to recover. And so that's that's really not good for a lineup that could obviously use his uh, veterancy and also just his grit. It's kind of a small group uh, if you look at what they you really have Petrovic and uh, Grushnikov as the two size guys, and they're playing together. Yeah. They are. So, and you look at like the the Kairou Pouliot line, you know, it's an interesting pairing. And I know there are some mixed opinions about it because it's two guys who have similar sets of skills, right? Very offensive minded. And the defensive side is something that they've both that Pouliot has needed to work on and improve. Um, and then Kairou needs to continue to improve. And also for him, his size is another thing. You know, I, I, I was talking to Texas GM Scott White about this and you know, how does he compare? Who could he be? We talked about Thomas Harley and his offensive game and how the Texas Stars staff kind of broke down the defensive side of his game and rebuilt it to make him what he is for Dallas. And I, you know, we talked about that comparison, but then Whitey was very quick to point out that Thomas Harley is six foot three and has 40 pounds on Christian Cairo. And so there are physical attributes that are also important. And his time in the gym this summer, building strength, building, you know, just overall power from his body is going to be very important to his his future development for the Dallas Stars. Well, yeah. And you saw something similar with Dallas with with Nils Lundqvist, who is a bit slight as well. And he spent gym time this last summer. And so, yes, there was talk about improvement. But if you go into a board battle, you you still see him struggling with players who have a little bit of size on him, and he gets bumped off the puck, and that's going to continue to happen to somebody like Kairou. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's you you have to be careful about who you pair him with and how you use that. And he is getting like power play time here in Texas, and that's something that's that's obviously good for his development, but. As we often say with defensemen, it just takes a little bit longer, and especially with this, when the size is a factor, that's something that you you can't rush, and especially like you can't ask a guy to pick up 20 pounds in season because you're in the grueling part of just playing professional hockey. That's going to have to be something that happens in June, July, August, and he's going to have to come back stronger in September. You you've you've spent time with the team, so you kind of understand why they set up pairings the way they do. What's the team doing here, pairing two puck movers in 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 Cairo and and uh, oh come on, uh, Derek Pouliot. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and and then and then similar type pairings with Petrovic and uh, and Grishnikov. 
That's right. And Caro and White are the last two. So Gavin White is a prospect uh, for Dallas, but then Michael Caro is a player who is on an AHL contract, but he's more of like a, a veteran type of player. And that kind of gives it all away, right? Which is every single pairing you've mentioned, Kairu Pouliot, Grishnikov Petrovic, and Caro White, there's a vet and there's a rookie. And that's kind of the way that, the way that it's uh, laid out. I don't think that I would trust any one of those rookies with another rookie, given the rookies that we have here in Texas right now. If we were having a different conversation and we had Leon Bixel uh, among those that we could choose, maybe you feel more confident pairing rookies with rookies. But at this point, you probably just need to go veteran and rookie so that they can continue to learn from that older, more experienced player who has the tenure in the league both AHL and in like in Petrovic's case, plenty of NHL experience as well. And that's kind of the, the logic of that. The other thing too is you know, with Bayreuther, Rosberg, and Bixel all gone from the lineup, that's half of half of a defensive core. And so they've also pulled up a guy from Idaho that they signed, Jake Murray, who probably would have been in Idaho for most, if not all of the year. And he's been here for a significant time. And so think about that from top to the bottom of the lineup that's your spread. There's a lot of variability there. And that is obviously hurting the defensive consistency and play because Murray is also a young player. And, you know, he's, he's gotten into some games. I think he's probably finding himself as a seven defense, seventh defender a lot more these days since the whole team has been struggling. Talk to me a little bit about Gavin White, uh, who has, at least on the offensive end, flashed a little bit and, and has started to contribute, at least with assists so far in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, White's gotten a little bit more opportunity to be offensive now that he's playing more. And uh, talking to Scott White, no relation, uh, about Gavin White, and he said that, you know, he's he, he's playing more than they expected that he would play. And probably that's showing a little bit in terms of you know where things wearing thin in certain spots his experience and his ability to you know play defensively board battles all those sorts of things but he's a really smooth skater like watching him move laterally on the blue line you could see that he just has top tier skating ability and puck distribution ability but it's as with so many that defensive ability the ability to 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 you know, close down um, in the defensive zone, that's what he needs to work on. And they would obviously ideally have him in a situation where he would probably not be playing every night. You'd have him rotate scratches in that seventh role. And you could watch games, you could get a lot of practice in and be able to refine that part of his game. But injuries have put them in a weird spot with that. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, I think one of the things that's really been killing the team has just been defensive zone coverage on the backside of the net, which, uh, you know, I, I'm sure making that read and knowing when somebody's in a dangerous position is something that you get with more experience. But but the stars have given up a lot of tap ins lately or, or shots into wide open nets. And if you're giving up easy ones like that, you you have to struggle to score on the other end. That's not a winning combination. No, and, and there's just been, I think, some, it's tough because the X's and O's are, are, you know, all over the place, but it's, you watch and you see, it feels like the team is just not, like, in sync. They're kind of discombobulated in the defensive zone. Guys are open that shouldn't be open on the, on the other side, 
And like watching this past weekend against against uh, Bakersfield or two weekends ago against Coachella Valley, Coachella Valley especially, it was just a clinic. It was a surgical away game for Coachella Valley and uh, Bakersfield this past weekend. Texas got lucky that they had a couple of goals, but they did not deserve to even have three goals in that game. They lost 5-3 ultimately. They're giving up shorthanded goals. They're giving up all sorts of things that they shouldn't. And it's really uh, quite a turnaround from the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I mean, you take a look. It's, it, I don't know if the numbers held up after this last weekend, but Texas was going into last weekend as the number one power play unit in the AHL. But with the big caveat that with the 33 or 35 goals that they'd scored, they'd also given up a league-leading eight shorties. So it, it's coming at some cost. Especially after last year, they were one of the lowest, if not the lowest, number of shorthanded goals against uh, for the whole AHL. So it's it's definitely coming at a cost. And it's not only obviously a cost on the scoreboard, but just the the absolute momentum killer that a shorthanded goal against gives you. Uh, you can just see it the way that the, the team attacks that after those shorthanded goals go in. It's... It's a rough spot for them to be in. It's been happening a ton in this uh, three and ten stretch that they've been through, and I think just it's one of those things where you know you fans were were chirping at me on Twitter the other day that they should just decline the power plays at this point because yeah. it's 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 one of those bad feelings, but they shouldn't because they are as you mentioned first power play in the league, but tons of shorthanded chances against and tons of goals against. Yeah, I mean, certainly, what was it, Friday night they gave, well, first of all, Friday night, I think they gave gave up four breakaways shorthanded on on Matt Murray, uh, so he had to feel a little, uh, little under it, but they did, after they did give up the shorty, they came back and scored 20 seconds later, so it, it, it's just high event, but high event needs to be slanted one direction pretty significantly on the power play, and it's not. It is, yeah, it's not, and it, it, tough, tough night for Matt Murray, by the way, it was his 26th birthday. Yeah. 26th yeah. birthday, by the way, uh, and they they did that to him. So you know you got 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 to give a guy some help on his birthday. Um, <laughs> so so hopefully he got some cake or something after. Little have have a little money on the board for that, right? I hope so. I hope so yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's it's been tough. And you mentioned you mentioned goaltending. Uh, that's been I think a really a really tough spot. You know, talking to folks around the team, just that they've expected more from the goaltending this year and thought with a guy two guys who were here last year and guys who are battling to be the organizational number three uh, it's been pretty average to be honest uh they've not stolen a ton of games and they've gotten bailed out by the high octane offense that they've had from the forward group and so that's been what's been saving them and in this recent stretch they just haven't gotten what they've needed yeah i think uh what I, I think JP on the broadcast said that Matt Murray hasn't won a game since he came back to the AHL. So his his last win was a uh, was the shutout in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. When uh, he he had won uh, an overtime game, uh, actually he was the goalie of record uh, in Coachella Valley. But oh, right, right, right. He has yeah. not. So, so that was started. He hasn't started a win. <laughs> yeah, he came in. He happened to be the goalie of record because they did yep. tie the game while he was on the ice, so it was his. But he hasn't started a win since he was in Dallas, and that yep. that just shows you his record has slowly ticked from being you know nine and five to nine and six to nine and eight, nine and seven, and now he's nine and nine. He's just even on the season with an OT loss, if you want to count that in the negative column uh, as well. The goals against is above three, which is not great. It's it's just it's not 
what they need. Texas is a team that's always prided themselves on being, uh, you know, when they've done well, it's been relatively low event hockey, uh, and they have not had that opportunity this year. It's been a lot, a lot of run and gun type of feel. Yeah, it, it has, and and even when they have gotten decent goaltending, so you know the last game against Bakersfield, uh, they lose two one to Jack Campbell, and uh, and Remy Poirier has a has a solid game, makes makes some key saves, but uh, you know he did have some rough chances, and you still have to get the win, and if the other guy's going to throw up a, a game where he's only given up one goal, you have to match him. Yeah, and and. That was a really rough one, too, obviously, because they corrected a lot of the mistakes they made on Friday night. They would probably admit it was their one of their worst, if not their worst game of the season, um, where they lost 5-3 that night. And they put in a lot of video work and a lot of conversations about getting back to fundamentals. They did everything that they wanted to do, and they just got goalied. And yeah. to twist the knife, they got goalied by a guy who used to be a Texas star and as, you know, kind of a cult player around here. And so that just kind of twisted the knife and talking to Neil Graham after the game, you know, just like, Hey, you know, what do you think about just running up against a hot goalie? And he, his quote was, you know, I, I coached Jack. I love Jack. I wish him all the success in the world. Just not tonight. Yeah. And he saved he just, it for the next game, <laughs> right? Save it for the next game, right? Uh, save it for the next game. Cause they're not playing Bakersfield again for the rest of the season. So find somewhere else. To, to pull off a, a one goal against on 36 saves uh, other than that night in Cedar Park. So it was, it was a rough way to go, but, um, but definitely a good opportunity, hopefully for them to see that, you know, when they put their, their, their best foot forward, you know, two goals against is enough to win them a game with the way that they score most nights. So that hopefully is a step in a positive direction in terms of their, uh, ability to execute on the game plan yeah and, and here you know i guess we started out with the negative side first here um and, and so i do want to move on to the forward group but maybe before then um why, why don't you give me some thoughts who's uh who on the defensive side here has has been a pleasant surprise a pleasant surprise on the defensive side honestly i I know that uh, we just talked about him, some of the things that he needs to do better, and everybody has things they need to do better, but I've really been impressed with Gavin White because I didn't know, don't know a ton about him, honestly. Uh, as he came in, I knew what I'd seen in scouting reports, but I've been really impressed, like I said, with his offensive ability, ability to work the blue line, the fact that he's been pressed more into service and that has led to greater scoring output from him has been good. He hasn't shrunk away from the opportunity. Uh, so that's been a really positive thing for him. And I think he's he's young enough. He's got enough runway in front of him that he's still got an opportunity to to really grow and build his game toward the NHL. Yeah, and, and that would have been my, my number one choice as well. Um, I, I may just throw a shout out there. I didn't really know what to expect from, from Artem Grushnikov having only watched the one game really from last year, and, and that was not a good game. Um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. He is not as uh, immobile as I was led to believe. And I think he's, he's shown some growth this season as well. Yeah, and his pairing with Petrovic has been good. They've got size. Um, and as you mentioned, the one game that we saw him in, la most of us saw him in last year, 
it was that game against Milwaukee just did not go well. It was the, the yep. deciding game. Um, and they got a lot of defensemen pressed into service because of injuries who should probably not have been playing at that point in the season. And that, that was just a tough spot to be in. So yep. good for him to get a reset and ability to come into his rookie season clean. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on to some more positive stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk about the forward group. And, and I guess we have to start with, uh, Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork. Well, We're we should one, one, two in scoring. So I say uh, the whole the whole league starts with Logan Stankoven and yeah. work at this point. And I will point out that as I'm looking at the lineup uh, for the Central Division's first game, Neil Graham decided to start Stankoven, Bork, and Matej Blumel as his three players <laughs> on the ice for the three on three tournament, which. I love from a from a homerism standpoint for Neil Why Graham. Not? So I'll, I'll have to ask him about that later. But I mean, yeah, everything this season has run through those two players on the offense, Stankoven and Bork. And talking to to Scott White about uh, Stankoven for another piece that I'm working on, I asked him like, "Did you expect this?" And he said, "You never expect this. This is not. This is. This doesn't happen." Because think about it, Logan Stankoven is a rookie, and he is leading the league in goals uh or sorry he's leading the league in points with 51 um the next closest rookie isn't even on the first page of results and the first 20 results and he's a rookie in this league and then the the guy behind him bork is at 48 points he's a second year player he's wearing an a by the way for the texas stars which is not a decision that comes lightly from neil graham and the leadership group there because he's a second year guy and they have a lot of guys that they could put a letter on um, so it speaks a lot to the way he carries himself on and off the ice. And there's good news there. Like, they're obviously scoring in bunches. They have great chemistry. They're expecting that that chemistry will carry through to the NHL when they both go up at the same time, hopefully, for those guys. But also, they've been keyed in on a lot as the depth of the forwards has been uh, you know, hurt by some injuries and, and uh, the bottom six has not been scoring as much. And so it really speaks to their skill that they've been keyed on, in on so much by opposing groups, but they still continue to score at such a prodigious pace. The thing is, you take a look at the losing streak and Stankoven and Bork have maintained their point pace as it goes on so you, you if you're looking for a problem of what's causing this team not to get there you really don't look at these two i mean it's about once a month that logan stankoven has a game where he doesn't have a point I, he's, he's had four of them in the entire season it's, yeah, it's absolutely crazy um, and that ju- that just, as I said, it doesn't happen. You don't expect that. And one of the knocks on Stankoven when he started, when everybody looks at him, is like, oh, man, the, like, that's a small guy. He's he's a small guy. But he hasn't been afraid to go into the tough areas to try and just deke around an entire team. There was a play he had against Coachella Valley where he came from behind the goal line all the way up to the blue line, went through, I think, every single Firebird, and then dished off to White, who dished to Bork and scored. Like it, he he's not been afraid to make the plays and really use his his speed and elusiveness as a weapon. And that's why he's leading the league. And obviously, odds on favorite to win Rookie of the Year. And heck, we might be having a conversation about whether he's Rookie of the Year and MVP, which is insane. But it's something that we're saying out loud. Yeah, yeah, you have to because I mean, fifty-one points—that uh, that's already shattered the rookie record record for Texas, if I remember correct, and uh, and and it's still going. Yeah, it's still going, and, and 
you know, you look at the point totals in the NHL regularly now, at least you get guys who are above 100 points. I can barely recall the last time you got someone above 100 points in the AHL. It's extremely rare that that happens. But that's the kind of pace that Stegovin is on to be in that 90s. Um, the highest that anybody's ever gotten on the Texas Stars is in the 80s. I think high 80s was Travis Moore in the year they won the cup. So he's on pace to shatter the Texas Stars record. He's going to go toward the top of the recent, you know, past decade or so if he continues this pace of AHL scorers. And like I said, odds on favorite for rookie and MVP. It, it, the funny thing is his best competition is Maverick Bork, who's right behind him on the same team, on the same line. So this is a pretty incredible pairing. And there's no doubt that whenever the two of them come up, they will be tried together on a line for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I, I've looked at this a little bit. I'm I'm kind of hoping that they don't just because I think there are some things that Bork brings to the table that could be useful to some of the Dallas Stars veterans. I would love to see Bork between Jamie Benn and, and Joe Pavelski, for instance. That and, would be a lot of fun. Yes, and, it would be. And, and I actually would love to see Logan, Logan Stankoven in, uh, in Mason Marchment's spot with Duchesne and Sagan. So again, this this may may not happen because obviously, uh, in, unless something changes with injury or something like that, you you may not see these guys up uh, up in Dallas this season. But if you do, they bring some dynamics first at a at a much more affordable cap level, but also in a way where I think they could hit the ground running and be contributors immediately. Yeah, I think you know there, there's a couple of things for them to both polish off in their games. Uh, one of the things that I've heard mentioned for Bork is face-offs. You know, yep. He is a centerman. He distributes the puck really well. Good passing, you know, assist numbers, but his face-offs are sub 500, you know, sub 50 percent, and he needs to tick that number up because that's where he is going to be. Now, who knows? Maybe he starts on the wing. Or something like that as well. But if you want to be relied upon as a as a centerman in the NHL, faceoffs are, are paramount. Um, and to that point, Stankoven is actually listed as a center. You know, a center slash forward. A lot of times they use that F designation in the AHL to just kind of be a general purpose forward designation. But um, with Maverick Bork a little bit banged up, kind of he has something nagging that he's been dealing with for the past month or so. Um, they've been rolling Logan Stankoven. Uh, sometimes on the face-off dot. And so that's another thing for him uh, to continue to develop because you know, you'd love to have as many centers as you can, it, it seems like. Guys who could take face-offs, guys who, who know how to be defensively responsible. Uh, and so that's another piece of the puzzle for actually both of them, even though uh, Bork is the one who's playing center generally on that line. Yeah, and I think that's probably been a problem for Texas all year is is they're, they're a bit weak on the on the dot and I, I think probably the only real reliable that they have out the guy they have out there is oscar beck and yeah. uh and so he comes in in those situations where you have to have it on the defensive end but even on the power play i think it hurts a bit because it's so often they lose the face off it gets sent down the ice and so they're losing 10 or 15 seconds every time they get a face off in the offensive end that's very true, and, and it's especially difficult after last year they were one of the best face-off teams in the league with uh, Rhett Gardner. Yeah, Rhett Gardner, absolutely, yeah, exactly. Best face-off guy in the league, and, and you lose him to the Philadelphia organization, and he you know, as, a, as a free agent, 
yeah, Beck is probably the the best guy that they've got. And, um, you know, Oscar Beck is what he is at this point. And, you know, having him on the power play just to win uh, faceoffs is not exactly the plan that Texas wants to roll with. Uh, and so they face that challenge of, like you said, losing 15 seconds every time because they're going to just dump it and they have to reestablish. And this is actually a team that I've noticed them. when they're not clicking on the power play, they have a ton of trouble with zone entries. And and that's actually where they've been getting bitten uh, sometimes, too, with, with their shorthanded chances. Yeah, turnovers that turn into shorthanded chances and they go the other way. They try and do something something fancy they do the drop back and you know nothing wrong with the drop back but they're they just get well, stopped a, up at the blue line and it's almost they, like the second unit is better at zone entries than the first and and i mean you know some of that is just you know tony strongest is is kind of a wizard at getting into the zone so that helps out a bit but there's no real go-to guy on that top unit who can who can just get across the line and get established yeah they it is really difficult. Like Logan Stankoven will try to break in sometimes with speed, but it seems like the second he does, he'll be draped by, you know, all three guys who are up on, up on press coverage. Like it's very uh, difficult for that first line to get established for sure. And I think that they've, they've succeeded in spite of it, but their plus minus on the power play, if that were such a thing has been not great over the past uh, couple games here because of that shorthanded uh, challenge that we mentioned before. Yeah. So let's talk second unit a little bit here. Uh, we we have an all-star we haven't really mentioned yet, uh, Matty Blumel. Um, and he's kind of jumped around a little bit with with partners, but uh, he spent a lot of time with the Swedes, Freddie Karlstrom and and Oscar Back. And uh, he's he's kind of gotten his goals in, oh, I, I don't know the best way to put it. it. They're almost like bonus goals because he is not really out there with some guy who's absolutely clicking with him offensively, he's carrying the offense on that second line. Yeah, he really is. He's He started on the season on that first line with Stankoven and Bork, and then they switched him around for Curtis McKenzie on that top line. And he's been on uh, what would casually been called the umlaut line, because um, for yeah. whatever reason, Texas decided this year to start adding uh, diacritics and accent marks to player nameplates, and all three players on that line, Blumel, Beck, and Karlstrom, uh, have umlauts on uh, letters in their names. So it's a, a nice little bit of symmetry there. Karlstrom had a hat trick in Manitoba, and since then has just been completely snake bitten. Um, and he'll admit it as much as anybody that he's just gripping the stick and not, not doing what he needs to do there. Beck has always been more of a defensive forward. And so Blumel has really been, like, as you said, carrying the offense on that, on that line. And it's been, it's been interesting to watch the way that group is played. Um, it does, as we mentioned though, because they're not as offensively dynamic, it means that I'm not saying that opposing teams can ignore them, but it means that they can put their best players out against Bork and Stankoven and McKenzie, which, again, puts more pressure on them and makes it harder for them to do what they do. So it, it's it, it's one of those gaps where, you know, do you argue Texas has a first line, two third lines and a fourth line? Maybe. You know, maybe it's one of those situations, but I feel like that's uh, that's Matei Blumel slander at the same time. Uh, so it's a really tough spot to be in because you don't want all of your top scorers on one line. You got to try and distribute it. 
Yeah, and I mean, part of the issue here is when when the team was gathering a bunch of points, Riley Damiani was uh, was was playing fourth line, and he's kind of the dynamic guy on the third line right now, and and so that's one of those things where if you can have three lines that are threatening, and even a fourth line that can kick in on a fairly regular basis, all of a sudden you can't just key on that top line, and so the lack of depth that the team through through a variety of reasons one of one of the big ones being injury it, it's cause and effect where where that top line they're still getting getting their points but they aren't getting on runs and yeah and, and i and i think you know just seeing those guys where where you can't put your best on them and shut them down i think that just adds to the to the enthusiasm of everybody on the bench and the team kind of gets on a roll yeah, and we haven't even mentioned the the forward injuries. Uh, if you you mentioned yeah. Damiani a second ago, and his line mates should be his line mates. Scott Reedy and Nick Camano are have both been out. And Reedy sustained something several weeks ago and has been out for a while. And Camano ran kind of awkwardly into the boards. He hit his head, had it falling backwards into the boards, and has been out uh, for a week and a half now. I think three games total. Those should be the two wingers on Damiani's line, but instead you've got Semenov and you've got Kyle McDonald. And so those two players are both rookies and, you know, McDonald is still working on his five on five game. I don't have as much of tail of tape on Semenov, but between the two of them, like those two should be playing the fourth line yeah. uh, role, but instead you've got them on a third line role with Damiani. And as of the last game, Texas actually rolled 11, seven because of their forward injuries. They had a Keaton Master Donato, who's an AHL guy, uh, and Stranges officially on the fourth line. But honestly, lines were in the blender all night. Uh, the very first time, like they, they had the, the sheet that they, they hand out uh, to us in the press box, and the starting line was not even on the, the lineup sheet. It was that much of a blender. So, <laughs> you know, well, it, it, they're really trying to piece the things together. What if, if I remember right, JP JP threw out at intermission after the first that he didn't think that Jake Murray had, had gotten a shift in the first period. So uh, so it's it's not really even that they're running eleven uh, seven. There 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 are some guys there who aren't getting time. They're running eleven six, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, Texas has some history. Although Neil Graham hasn't done it, but Derek Laxtall a couple couple few times ran. A player, Matt Mangine, if you remember that name mm-hmm. back from the memory archives, yep. um, at uh, at wing, uh, he was a defenseman who was more of an offensive defenseman, and they would play him on on the right wing when they were running low on forwards and they had injuries or something like that. And uh, he was actually pretty good at it for what it's worth. So, not out of the realm of possibility. It's a kind of crazy thing you see sometimes in the AHL or in the ECHL when things like that or, happen. Or, or even in the NHL. I just uh, yeah. I just watched a couple of games with uh, with Mark Pissick uh, playing last weekend. So uh, there are guys who can do it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Reedy and Kamano are not the only injuries. There's also Chase Wheatcroft, who's a, a player who Dallas fans might know. Just he was a free agent signing and he's a Dallas prospect. He honestly, uh, it was a, it was a weird injury that happened to him he kind of got shoved over uh, just seemingly innocuously at the blue line 
um, and fell awkwardly and looked like some sort of lower body injury to his right leg as he fell. And so that's another guy who's out. And then Ben Berard, one who's an AHL contract, has also been out for, for several games. And so that's a total of five bodies, uh, uh, sorry, four bodies out. Um, Strongest just came back. He would have been the fifth body as well that was out. So you've got four forwards. You've got a defenseman, Bayreuther, who's out. Rosberg, who's been out. Bixel, who left. So, you know, this team has turned over quite a bit in terms of the injury department, and that's that's affecting a lot of things for them. They're just trying to get through this thing. Yeah, this is the first year in quite some time, I think, where I've seen this many Idaho Steelheads coming up. Because, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Keaton Mastrodonato. Um, you know, he was running on a point-of-game streak down in Idaho. Who is it? Jack Becker. Uh, Jack, Jack Becker's gotten three games now. He's kind of a kind of a larger uh, um, physical guy, uh, but also performing very well down at the ECHL level. Jake Murray probably would be uh, be getting some pretty good minutes down there. So we we the, the, there's a bunch of Texas stars who uh, who very likely should be playing in Boise. And you know, to tell you the truth, uh, I think it's hurting hurting the Steelheads a little bit too. It definitely is. And and you also mentioned like the goaltenders that they had. They didn't play any of the goaltenders that they had come up when Murray was in uh, Dallas backing up. They had uh, a couple of guys that they could have called and they signed a guy on a PTO. And he did not touch the ice. Uh, Remy Poirier played, you know, six or seven straight, um, even some back to backs. Just, you know, that's that's a tough thing, and and you know, we talk about organizational depth of the third goaltender, but something that a lot of Dallas fans don't think about is the fifth goaltender, which is crazy. But Dallas doesn't have one this year. Dallas has four goaltenders. They don't have a fifth goaltender, and that means that the organizational depth is stretched when some injury happens anywhere along the way, right? Whether Jake Ottinger's hurt or Matt Murray's hurt, you have to have a guy that you can trust to start games in that fifth slot so that your AHL team doesn't suffer. And so there's there's definitely been a lot of a lot of call-ups there. Idaho's been just decimated by call-ups to the AHL. Um, and it's not all been Texas. They've gotten call-ups to, you know, Abbotsford and and Bakersfield and and uh, yeah, uh Utica, Ontario, like all yeah, over the place. Ontario, all Syracuse, yeah, all over the place, all over the league. And and it's good for them, right? That's good opportunity. And this is one of those weird things where when that happens, it's actually good for Idaho. Maybe not this year, but it's good for them next year and the year after because guys see that, oh, I see. If I go there, they do well. I do well. I get an AHO call up. Everett Sheen, the head coach there, is going to let me go and have you know a, a great time in the AHL and, and promote me and be the guy who says, like, yeah, this guy's doing great. You should definitely take him. So it, it's it's good for their overall culture and the building of like continuous building of them having a good reputation among players uh within free agency because if you remember all echl contracts are one-year contracts there's no such thing as a multi-year contract in the echl so you got to win them over every single year and so that's one of those things that just you don't think about a lot but having a, a a system where guys can get up and out and find their next opportunity easily continues to build that bench of guys who say, I want to go play in Boise. So how do we fix all this mess? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, if if Neil Graham hasn't figured it out, maybe it's not possible to figure out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you aren't going to get a whole lot of Neil Graham hate hate out of this podcast. So uh, yeah, I think he's the right guy for the job. Um, I, I was going through your article uh, about uh, how how the team was better than we thought they were going to be. And the quote that you got there was that it might be rough early on, but that the team should start to gel by Christmas. And, and yeah, we probably haven't seen that, but I think there are maybe some things that we could do to get a, a little more organized and, and get off the, the losing streak. And, and I think one, it probably has to do with tightening some things down on the, on the defensive end. I think it'll be interesting to, you know, see what happens as they come back from the break. Uh, it's tough in the AHL because Texas played a game on Saturday and then skills competition is Sunday. Game is Monday. They get one more day off and then they can practice on Wednesday. I don't know if Texas will or not because they have to get on a plane on Thursday and then start playing games again. Now, they will be on the road for a little bit here. They'll have the opportunity potentially. Maybe they get a nice, really good, solid systems-based practice in. On that Monday, after they play some weekend games, they'll be in Rockford or Milwaukee, depending on how the travel works out. You know, maybe that's a good opportunity for a reset. They're really getting into, unfortunately, the meat of the season where you won't have these long breaks between games. Um, Texas has a lot of long breaks between games during the fall because they try to bunch games in the spring after college football and NFL football are over so that you get as many of those games where you're going to get high attendance as possible, they're not going to have an opportunity to have like a mini training camp back to systems basics type of situation. And so it's really going to press the uh, skill of the Texas staff to ingrain those things without wearing down some already beaten down bodies uh, and, and get those systems back to where they need to be. So it's, it's going to be an interesting challenge for the team, but I know that it's been done before. I know uh, a couple years ago they were, they were, Right. I mean, they were really up a creek uh, about midway through the season and a similar situation. You know, they they went kind of a back to basics type of strategy set of conversations and had one of the best records in the AHL from that point forward. But unfortunately, they had already dug themselves a pretty significant hole and they ended up right around 500. And so like that was a Neil Graham led team. And I know that they can do that. It's a question of, you know, where do they find the time? And also like, does a team buy in? I think they will, um, but uh, it's a will skill type of thing too. And here, you know, I think one of the things that'll help is just having the all-star break here where coaches out of town, top players are out of town, everybody else resets for a couple days, uh, maybe get this losing streak monkey off the back and just start without thinking that the first thing that's going to happen is something bad. Right. And and so if, if you get to that point where you just say, okay, it's the beginning of the season, let's go play hockey, um, not worry about the baggage that you have coming up to this point, I think that would help this team a lot. I know some of the players, you know, you can't do what some of the NHL players did and, and go fly to Mexico for a week or something like that. But I know some of the players were trying to take uh, shorter trips. At least one of them was going to drive up to Dallas with the family, do some different things. Um, you know, enjoy enjoy some of the culture up there. Just a little bit of a reset, get away from the rink, don't put the skates on for a few days. It does wonders for you. You know, we forget that like these when we're all taking our break from work on the weekend, these guys are doing the work. 
so that we can enjoy our weekend. So, you know, a little bit of a break for them mentally can be really important in the middle of this just absolute grind of a season. Now, before we, we go, I, I do want want your thoughts on one other guy. We uh, we we have another rookie who's in uh, double digits in goals scored who kind of came out of nowhere, at least uh, as, as far as uh, you know, my ob- observations are. Um, tell me a little bit about Kyle McDonald. Kyle McDonald is a power play specialist, uh, to be sure. It's, it's actually really interesting the way that he's popped up. You know, a lot of his goals are, are power play goals. So he scored 11 as of right now, and seven of those are on the power play. Last I checked, he led all rookies in that category. He's a big body. He's had an opportunity to play that sort of out front, net front bumper role for the Stars power play. But in talking to folks in the t- with the team, you know, he needs to continue to work on his five on five play. That's where they really need him to mature. Like they love, obviously love that he could be that role for them on the power play. And that's where he's putting in a lot of points. But five on five is where some defensive coverage issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's true for yeah, uh, a lot of any rookie. Rookies, but five on five stuff is is where he needs to. Uh, continue to mature it's great that the power play is is working for him but you're not going to get power play time your first time getting called up to the nhl that's not how this system works and so he'll uh he'll need to continue to mature that but again he was sort of a, a free pickup if you will they didn't use a draft pick on him he was an undrafted guy that they they signed as a free agent and so great pickup for them so far Lots of opportunity for him to continue to grow through his entry-level contract. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing that stands out to me is that you know, he has a very quick release from that bumper slot. And and the bumper slot, whether it's, it's power play or or five-on-five, five, he he finds space in the center, and he's he's kind of a decent sniper there. He'll pick yeah. corners. Yeah, in, he, he could do a really good job in tight there. Um, as I'm looking at it, he is tied for 11th overall in the power play, but he is number one, uh, tied for number one in uh, in rookie power play goals. And so that's it's been his specialty. They're not sad about it, to be sure, but he needs to continue to grow with all the things that happen when there's uh, also five players on the other side of the ice. And that will give him more opportunities to, to move up the lineup. Okay, well let's uh, let's wrap up a little bit. Predictions coming up for the rest of the year. Um, what what unusual things are you going to predict happen? So who's going to surprise us in helping this team to keep a playoff spot? <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting question to be sure. Um, I, I I I will say that um, I think that. In order to to get what they need, they're going to need their defense to tighten up more. We know that. That's obvious. I think that they are going to, I think that they're going to have to get like a player like, you know, Riley Damiani or Antonio Stranges to play more of an offensive role. I could see, you know, we, we talk about, I feel like we've been talking about Stranges for years on these, on these podcasts uh, because he's just such a, a dynamic player that people like to watch. I think if he can pay off his promise in the back half of the year, he's a player who could drive a line, you know, add him with Damiani, Stranges, and, you know, someone like Kamano or Wheatcroft has oh, been coming on nicely. Is, I've, I've loved this trio since I saw him in Traverse City two years ago. It could be Stranges, a lot of fun, right? Stranges, Damiani, and Oscar Back. 
Oh, that'd be an interesting combo, right? They'd have to break up uh, Beck and Karlstrom to to do it, but you got a little bit of everything on that line, right? Yeah. That's that's a really interesting call. I think honestly that they they just need someone some to 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 key uh, the rest of the offense. Um, that's going to be a big a big piece of it. I'm hoping that Matt Murray and Remy Poirier are resting their their mental faculties during this time and and really like focusing in for the back half of the season because uh you know it doesn't get any any easier from here on out the games are closer together there's there's more of them it feels like uh and teams have figured everything out about this team in terms of predictions of where this team falls i don't think they drop below 500 like i said i don't think that they drop below third but I think they're a better team than the Grand Rapids Griffins, who are in second. So I do think that they snipe home ice advantage for the first round of the playoffs, and they'll probably end up playing Grand Rapids. But from there, it looks like Milwaukee is a buzzsaw, and they might win the division yet again. Yeah, and you have Nashville that's sitting out there and not likely to break that that group up. Exactly, and that's that is honestly an interesting thing that happened last year, if you recall, that Milwaukee yep. sent got a lot lost a lot of players down the stretch to Nashville and they almost you know almost got into the playoffs in the NHL and then they dumped all those players back to the AHL and they just mopped up they certainly mopped up the Texas Stars who lost guys to the Dallas Stars uh and that's one of those dynamics right is Detroit in or out and that helps Grand Rapids or doesn't help help Grand Rapids Dallas obviously looks to be in the playoffs which means they're not going to get any assistance although there's nobody up in Dallas really right now that would even come down. So, you know, that that's not as much of a an issue for Dallas or Texas. The one thing yeah. I think that all of us are looking for and all of us are waiting with bated breath to see is whether or not Dallas makes some sort of move in order to get Maverick Bork or Logan Stankoven into Dallas before the end of the season. You know, whether that's a trade or a waiver or something like that, what do they do? Or do they let them both sit here in Cedar Park and start the season next season with them penciled in to the Dallas lineup? That is still, I think, the major question. And then for Texas Stars fans, let's say that, you know, good for them. Bork and Stankoven go up to Dallas. Let's say both of them go. The bottom kind of falls out of the Texas offense. And that's a really rough, rough position for this team to be in. So you're rooting for the players individually. But if you're a Texas Stars fan, you're also rooting for them to make it next season. Yeah, exactly. And and at that point, you better have your fingers crossed that Bayreuther's rehab plan is a little ahead of schedule. And uh, and then, well, you know, it's always it's always next man up. So somebody else needs to step up and fill in the gap. So that's a big gap to fill. But there's there are a handful of guys who at least have some potential. Absolutely, and that's um, that's the mentality. And and uh, they want to just. Uh, you know, drive to that next goal. And, and right now they're just trying to reset and, and get themselves back to, you know, back to their winning ways. And so that's what they're going to try and do starting this weekend against uh, Rockford and oh boy, a big one against Milwaukee. Yeah. The, it, it's not absolutely uh, getting down to crunch time where you need the wins, but at this point with the losing, the losing that's been going on so far in 2024, you really need to see some breaks start to go the right way. Absolutely. And they'll look to do it. Okay. Well, uh, 
thank you for spending time here. Why don't you give all uh, all the people out here how to how do people read your stuff? Where do they go to to learn everything they need to learn about the Texas Stars? Absolutely. So 100 degree hockey, 100 degree hockey.com. Uh, you can definitely check us out there. Uh, we're also on Twitter slash X, 100 degree hockey as well. Um, and then if you're interested in all of this and the background and all the nitty gritty history of the Texas Stars and what it means to be a fan of the AHL or a media person covering the AHL, then you could check out the book that I wrote with Sean Shapiro, which is called We Win Here. You just go to wewinhere.com to check that out. Great book. Uh, nice, uh, nice chapters that you can sit down if you have a little bit of time and uh, just go, go chapter by chapter. Good stuff. Well, thanks again for uh, taking the time out, Stephen. Um, fingers crossed Texas gets this thing turned around. And um, hopefully we, uh, we have a chance to talk during the playoffs. Absolutely. Looking forward to it.